0: get access to exclusive content, and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's patreo dot com trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM.
1: these books i thought i'd take some light reading guess i got bored welcome everyone to another episode of literary treks our dedicated books and comic show welcome to 2016 uh for all you listening in the future just forget that part but i am just <laughs> one of the hosts matthew rushing and with me as he is always at least three times a month these days dan gunther dan how has 2016 been treating you
0: Hey, Matthew, pretty good so far, have to say. Uh, you know, not a lot's happened yet, but uh, really excited about this year. I think we've got a really big year in Star Trek books and comics, and uh, really looking forward to talking with you about uh, some of the stuff we're getting out this year on Literary Treks.
1: You know, Dan, I I completely agree with you. I was looking through the lineup that we just have here, at the beginning of the year. And I, I have to say, it's pretty fantastic. We're going to l- enlighten everybody's day uh, when they listen to this with some Gold Key comics. Um, <laughs> and then, as we move forward this year, uh, we're going to talk about Ascendance that has just come out with David R. George 3rd We're going to talk about The Good That Been Do. We're going to look at uh, Pocket Full of Lies with Kirsten Beyer. And then we're going to jump into... The Shatnerverse, that's right, with Ashes of Eden. Then we have a small novella, Miasma, and it just keeps going on from there. So this year is going to be a great year. And part of that is that it's the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And we get to celebrate that with great new books, great new comics, and some goodies from from the olden days. So I hope you'll stay with us. What was great, Dan, is that uh, now that we're back... IDW has just released a whole boatload of great new comics that we actually get to talk about in news.
0: Yeah, definitely. This is definitely the episode for comics. Uh, We're talking about three new uh, issues that have just dropped in the last couple weeks here. And then, of course, uh, going into the Gold Key comics after that. So it's just an episode jam-packed with comic goodness and some... Not so goodness, but we'll get there.
1: (laughs) It's a comic extravaganza, uh, really (laughs) is here on Literary Treks this week. And Dan, let's jump into Starfleet Academy 2. And we both thought it was an interesting setup uh, for the first issue. How do you think that played out for you this second issue? Um, Because they are telling two sides of a story, uh, one in an earlier time period and one in the later time period. And they both have something to do with each other, and we're still not completely ha- sure how it's gonna all work out. I was kind of wondering how that structure played for you.
0: It was pretty interesting. Uh, so yeah, the in the past we've got you know the young versions of of Uhura and Chekhov and Kirk here, uh, kind of, and that side of it seemed more plot driven because of course we already know these characters, so they're they're kind of getting a little bit more into this mystery, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, what kind of secrets might starfleet be keeping here by the looks of it uh so that was pretty cool and then kind of the more you know quote unquote present time period with this new group of cadets uh that was spent mostly introducing these characters a little bit more and and letting us get to know them a little bit better uh for example the one um I've already forgotten the name of his species, but (laughs) we get to see him bust some moves on the dance floor, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, You know, getting to know these characters a little bit better and and getting used to them. And then at the end, yeah, tying the two stories together and showing that it's, you know, this is kind of an ongoing mystery that's going to be explored between both of these time periods. Kind of interesting. I'm enjoying the format here.
1: Well, I am glad that uh, you felt that way. For me, I
0: felt like the
1: structure got in the way of me kind of really getting into the story because I still feel like, for the most part, the meat of the story is in the past with the characters that we know, like Kirk and Uhura and and Spock and Mm -hmm. Chekhov and all of them. And... That the other cadets from the quote-unquote future are—I'm still not seeing where their part of the story is coming in. And it's kind of fun to see Starfleet Academy with all these different aliens and everything, but I need more on that side. So I need it to pick up. Let the, the story on the the. I can't say the prime, but the JJ side. We'll just with use that um, with the characters that we know. That's working for me. It's a really interesting look at those characters in the Academy. It is the other side that I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like we're stalling for time and mm-hmm. we're not really going anywhere with these characters just yet. So I, 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 I'm hoping that that part of the story just picks up in the next issue
0: yeah i feel like and i I mean i i don't know what the next where they're going with this exactly but i feel like now that we've spent a little bit more time with these characters the writers might have a bit more opportunity to kind of you know like you say really get into the meat of this story uh rather than just kind of languishing with these uh extended introductions here so hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more of how that ties together uh in the next issue uh one would hope anyway
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And th- and that's what I'm hoping for. I'm I'm not disparaging the comic in any way. I still think it it's it's a fun idea. What I'm just asking for, I think in the in the next issues is for there to just be a little bit of movement on the other side of the comic mm-hmm. so that it feels a little bit more even and that I feel more like, "Oh, I kind of want to go to that other side with these newer cadets" than feeling like, "Oh, we have to go back to them again." So because kind of just seeing them go to a party on Starfleet Academy, you know, just (laughs) it wasn't all that exciting.
0: But he's such a good dancer. (laughs) That
1: is true. I mean, I did learn some moves at the next like party or wedding that I'm at or something
0: like that. But yeah. Uh, (laughs) What did you think about uh, his kind of narrating everything they do uh, because he's new to verbal communication? (laughs) I kind of thought that was an interesting little uh, bit there. I mean, apparently he's going to be the first
1: Captain Obvious in Star Trek, uh, you know, where he's just... (laughs) I I wanted somebody to call him that and be like, okay, we get it, Captain Obvious, Uh, because yeah, he was just narrating everything they were doing, and it's like, oh yeah, we know we're walking in the door, we get it, you know, Uh,
0: so... His entire uh, Starfleet career is just going to be one long Captain's log.
1: (laughs) That or, you know... uh, much like Spock would do sometimes, where he would kind of state the obvious to you. Um, mm. Maybe he's just going to take that place as a science officer on the ship or something. I I don't know. Um, we're experiencing turbulence, Captain, on the ship. <laughs> uh thanks. I can feel that.
0: Um, or the, I, the Deanna Troy role. I I'm, I I think he's being <laughs> aggressive, Captain. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so glad you're here to tell us these things.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> Should we take the professor in the back and plug him in the hyperdrive? Anyway, (laughs) um, no, you're right. It it was really funny. So what did you end up thinking uh, moving forward to our next comic and new visions? And this one really centers around Chekhov and tells the story of Chekhov getting the seat on the bridge uh, and how he gets that seat.
0: I think I thought it was a pretty cool story. Uh, you know, for a long time there's been speculation, you know, how did Khan know Chekhov in Star Trek Two, and he wasn't, you know, a main, he wasn't a a cast member at that time and, you know, well, maybe he worked below decks on the Enterprise and Khan ran into him or something like that. And yeah, so it's really cool to see John Byrne kind of take that idea and run with it and show Chekhov here as a red shirt, as an engineering lackey, basically. Um, I, I really enjoyed this story. I thought it was really good you you can really see that these new visions comics they really you know they show their strengths when it's set entirely aboard the enterprise because we don't get these outlandish environments where you know things look just so ridiculously fake that uh it takes you out of the story here you know there's a few kind of areas on the enterprise we see that we haven't seen before but for the most part we're on the bridge we're in engineering and this looks good. Like it looks like actual stills of an episode that just never aired. Uh, so I thought it was it was a pretty neat introduction to his character, and to show you know how he might have become that uh, genius young Russian that we see on the bridge all of the sudden in season two.
1: No, I I agree with you. Um, I remember when the I was reading it as the comic started, and I was thinking, oh, this is kind of is this going to be this lame? And then it turned itself into a really interesting story about the Enterprise running into an alternate dimension that was pushing its way through into our universe and could possibly take over our universe if the Enterprise can't find a way to, you know, stop that. And I just, you know, all of that was so uh, Star Trek and so very interesting. And yes, like you said, it's a bottle episode. And that's really helpful like as well um, because we aren't getting those weird outlandish things. And that's great. So I, I think this is a very strong issue of this comic series. And I would hope maybe that we would kind of get more stories like this uh, because you're right. It is very helpful when we aren't looking at something that looks like a, you know, photoshop doodle mm-hmm. uh to create a new environment uh i this just it it really does feel like a lost episode of the original series and you know i think that's kind of the point of this series and i really enjoy when it does that
0: mm-hmm. definitely agreed so yeah our, our final comic here uh is the latest of the ongoing series issue number 53 uh the first of a two-part story here called Reunion. Uh, this, I thought, was really, really interesting. Uh, we get to see a character that we saw briefly in the first of the new Star Trek movies in 2009, uh, Gala, the Orion uh, cadet that we see <laughs> a lot of in Ur's quarters, uh, you know, having just spent some quality time with a young James T. Kirk. Uh, really Interesting story here. I really thought it was a neat idea to bring this character back. Uh really really cool to kind of um you know, a lot of really interesting story possibilities from a minor character that never got a lot of screen time here. Uh what did you end up thinking about this one?
1: I love it. I mean, I really do. I, I there's no other way to say it than I loved this comic. I thought it was fantastic and what I loved about it one was is that we're exploring something really new, but we know, but in the JJ verse, you know. So we're exploring the Orion culture, which we know some about and uh, because of Enterprise. Really, that's the main place we know of it from, and the very, very minute bit that it's in the original series. Uh, but other than that, and other than books, it's not really something that I ex- explored that much, and so. I thought that this was just wonderful to really dive in and use a character that we've already seen on screen and introduce us to her. And, you know, she has a, I don't want to spoil it, but she has a really interesting backstory. Uh, She has some family members that we, you know, we finally get to meet here and everything. And, you know, then too, they, they use this wonderful humorous moment of her running into Kirk, you know, on the bridge and the, the, hilarious nature of what happens there was just it was just brilliant it's really good it, it's really fascinating and and where it comes down to and where it wraps up for this issue it leaves you on a huge cliffhanger and it makes me really you know i'm i'm really excited to get number 54 mm-hmm. and and i mean not only that i just, talking about the orions we get to see orion ships which apparently uh just raided the Battlestar galactica uh universe so
0: <laughs> yeah no i was uh exactly on um just the bottom of this page here it's it's literally the Battlestar galactica uh and if you look carefully it's the Battlestar galactica with a stargate <laughs> attached to the top of it it's it yeah um you know, cool ship designs, but definitely uh, very familiar looking. But I mean, and and I don't even
1: care about that because and how kind of silly it is. But really, I, I'm I'm so interested to see where this story will go. And mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. I, you know, Carol Marcus was was kind of involved in the comics for a while. And I haven't seen her in a while, and I'm wondering if that's because it doesn't look like we're going to see her in Star Trek Beyond, which is disappointing, I think, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I would have loved to have seen there be something more to the relationship between her and Kirk.
0: Yeah, you almost wonder if she was kind of, you know, they were told like, oh, we don't have any plans for this character, so just kind of drop her, (laughs) you know, which is, yeah, it's really too bad.
1: But it makes me wonder if, and I... I'm trying to remember the trailer, and I feel like I saw an Orion female mm. in that big, long line of Starfleet officers you see. Oh, yeah, and I'm wondering be right. if Gaia will be back uh, mm. in Star Trek Beyond, and maybe that's why they're bringing her back in the comics. Uh, and and maybe even aboard the Enterprise, or at least just, you know, that she's out there on another starship. So, mm. um, and I... I Kinda would be cool, you know, if for some reason they felt like going in a relationship with her and James. That that'd be fine with me too, you know. I, you know, she already does love him. At least she said she did. And anyway, that's a whole other discussion. But I really, I really liked this storyline, and I thought it was a great way of servicing the JJ verse by diving into a. I mean, you can really just create so much here because there's so little that's really canon about the Orions. So, Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's what's really cool. One of the really cool things about this issue too is it's taking something that's very unique to the JJ-verse, you know, an Orion in Starfleet, which is, you know, not something that we saw, uh, and, and running with that idea and crafting, you know, a really cool story about it because, you know knowing where the Orions come from and Orion's serving serving in Starfleet, well, what is her background? How could she how could she have come to this point in her life? You know, where what brought her there? And it's really cool that we get some of those answers here. So yeah, definite A plus for this issue. It was it's one of my favorites so far for sure.
1: Well Dan, uh before we jump into talking about uh Gold Key. Volume 2, Part 1, because we're only going to be able to cover uh, three of the issues, because they're, <laughs> the issues are long, uh, and uh, we want to make sure that the episode isn't too terribly long. Uh, let everybody know where they can find us uh, online with the network and uh, the show and everything like that.
0: Well, for sure. Uh, first of all, Literary Treks is just one of many shows on the Trek FM network, and we've got shows covering all aspects of the Star Trek universe and beyond. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, or you can go to our website and uh, download the MP3 file there as well. If you want to get into contact with us, uh, there's a form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Uh, If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we'd love to hear from you. Look in the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. We're on Twitter, of course, at trek.fm and our Facebook page, facebook.com trek.fm. And of course, we have the Babel Conference discussion group on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, type in the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field, or go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. And of course, special for us here on Literary Treks, we have a Goodreads group. Uh, find us there. Just search for Literary Treks. You'll find bookshelves with all the books we've talked about previously and what we're reading now uh, so you can keep up to date with everything that we discuss here on Literary Treks.
1: Well Dan, I could not think of a better way to start out 2016 than by talking about some Gold Key comics. Uh, We had such a good time the first time when we decided to go through Volume 1 and you know it what's fun is seeing first that could just kind of the evolution Uh, of the comics and the way that they are slowly adopting some of the things that we actually saw in Star Trek. And yet at the same time, they're still very much in their own milieu. Like they've pulled things from the series, Mm -hmm. but it still feels very gold key.
0: I really like that about that. You know, once the show really started uh, coming out and, and, you know, more reference material was available it would be very easy for them to just kind of switch and say, okay, now we're making it look exactly like the show and that sort of thing. But yeah, like you said, they're kind of slowly introducing elements of the actual television series here, but really kind of still keeping that gold key flavor um, whether you really like that flavor or not, you know, that's kind of up to you, but it definitely does give it a very distinctive look that, you know, I'm I'm actually kind of glad they're retaining a little bit here as we move forward in, in these issues.
1: Dan, are you sure that flavor isn't something like a green liquid voodoo drink?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This... <laughs> Because that could be the flavor
1: that we're oh, going for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I don't even know what to say about this first issue. <laughs> the voodoo planet. I, I um, think
1: that says it all. I mean, if we stopped there and we just said it's
0: the voodoo planet,
1: you pretty much are imagining everything that happens
0: in this comic. <laughs> well, I love, I love that. It's so matter of fact, like, spock's analyzing what's happening is like oh well clearly they're using some form of voodoo and everybody goes oh yes this is voodoo okay that that makes sense that explains everything i just wow like what can you say about this <laughs> i mean there ain't nothing worse than
1: space voodoo i mean you run into <laughs> those guys it's terrible and i can talk like that i am from the south so i am nice. not m- making fun of anyone i'm uh, born and raised in texas so uh Goodness, ah, space voodoo!
0: You know, when when a story starts with them finding a planet with a paper mache Eiffel Tower, I mean, you know what what better setup can you have than that?
1: Well, I I just want to know how many trees were killed to make all this paper mache Earth, because uh, apparently this is not an environmentally friendly uh, species at all. Uh, and yeah. It, it, one, you know, the issue is going to be good when they come across a planet that looks just like Earth.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was one thing that I was actually, oh, huh, they got that right, like because that happens quite a bit in the original series.
1: Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, it is so interesting. And beaming down to this planet, and they find an, a a city that looks like Paris, and they realize that the Eiffel Tower. It's kind of the same, but not really, because one, it's not as tall as the original, and two, yes, it's made of paper mache and so is the entire city. And with that, a big beam just comes in and destroys the Eiffel Tower. They get a call from the Enterprise that tells them that the real Eiffel Tower in Paris has collapsed. Wow, that's a really fast communication systems. Uh mm-hmm. even though at least in the Gold Key comics they're still using radios, wave <laughs> you know radio waves, at
0: least it seems like it. They they do say radio a lot. So yeah, it seems like it for sure.
1: Oh gosh. I mean, <laughs> well, and what what they what they stumble upon, what they find that they stumble upon is this voodoo civilization that is being led by Count Dressler. Not Dooku, but Count (laughs) Dressler. Uh, And apparently, he's kind of like this protocon who was uh, a small leader on Earth originally, and he was trying to take over the world, basically, and people were coming after him. And so what he did is he got on a rocket ship with some of his followers and came to another planet. And... He's using his voodoo powers to control the planet that he's on, but also he's created basically a voodoo world where he can take control of Earth one day as well. I mean, it's.
0: And I mean, his whole plan is you know, I'm going to blow up, I guess, landmarks until they welcome him back to Earth as their ruler, I guess I don't like his end game is, is really vague and ridiculous here, but I mean, ridiculous is, is what you have to expect from, from these gold key comics for sure. Well, I mean, of of course they would welcome you back. Nobody
1: welcomes somebody back like the person that destroyed your landmark. So yeah, you took out the Eiffel Tower. Great! You took out the Tower of Pisa. Awesome! You've destroyed a Sphinx. Perfect! Can you come rule us now back on Earth? That would be great.
0: <laughs> and I mean, yeah, this story goes further than, you know, any disaster movie in the last 20 years as far as, you know, the the monument and landmark destruction <laughs> count here. Because, yeah, in, in the opening, you know, in the in the first half of the story... You know, we lose I, like four or five world landmarks. Like it's pretty crazy here.
1: It's like every Dwayne Johnson film rolled into one right <laughs> here. It, it's crazy. What I love is that Kirk and Spock are captured. McCoy ends up rescuing them, and Spock says he's going to study the Vulcan occult to figure it out. So where does he go? <laughs>
0: Spock's Vulcan occult library apparently held on the Enterprise. Yeah, apparently he's got like 40 books about Vulcan dark arts here. Who knew that the Vulcans were into the dark arts and like dark Uh. magic? Like, uh, was, uh, you know, Voldemort uh, originally a Vulcan? (laughs) Yeah, he's gonna gonna schedule a consult with Lord Voldemort here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is just fantastic. And what I love is that There's this, apparently,
1: this green liquid voodoo drink that we have already referenced that the leader, Count Dressler, drinks to get his powers. And Spock is able to replicate this and give him and Kirk voodoo powers as well so that they can overtake Dressler. And because they've had the drink more recently, basically, they're able to track him down and put him into custody and and that's really how the issue ends and it's just oh god it's (laughs) i i just i love reading these because it's so off the
0: wall i just like it more more than any issue we've read so far this really just feels like i don't know some kind of crazy off the wall adventure that they've just happened to put kirk spock and mccoy in you know this it's just so it's so pulpy it's it's so um you know dime novel story of this era that yeah, this could be any kind of adventures going into some deep unexplored jungle somewhere you know or some other than you know what we get here, which is Star Trek, which we're so used to being grounded in science and rationality that this is just so ridiculous. Uh, that it just feels totally out of place in Star Trek, but again, that's just that's what you have to expect with these gold key comics because you know you'll you'll never get you know the voodoo Star Trek story anywhere else other than than these comics for sure. Well,
1: and I mean, don't we all wish that uh, you know Spock's Vulcan occult library was canon and uh, you know their their dark arts. Uh, meddling was canon i just
0: it's, imagine the story possibilities week oh, to week
1: it's fantastic you know i mean people already thought it you know it's it, the series came out spock was you know devilish but little did we know <laughs> it went really far with vulcans uh with the occult so yeah voodoo planet i gotta say it's a winner i mean it's just a winner and mainly because it's such a riot
0: yeah definitely it's I mean, if nothing else, you can't say you don't have fun reading this because it is just crazy fun.
1: <laughs> oh, it's it really is. Uh it's it's the kind of thing that you know, you were saying it it has such a pulp feel to it. And you know, in Far Beyond the Stars Benny works for that magazine and it feels like a story that they would have written and mm-hmm. You know, not Benny per se, but, you know, somebody else on that staff might have written. Because that's the kind of mindset that they're in. Because that's when they're writing this. And it's just, it's great. So the next comic that we have is called The Youth Trap. And this one is a little bit, it's not quite as insane as the voodoo Planet. And I don't know if any... Uh, the Star Trek uh, gold key comics will be half as insane as this is. That's uh, definitely
0: the gold, stand- or the yeah, gold the, key the standard. Yeah, the gold key standard. <laughs> oh, yes.
1: Oh, awesome. But, uh, w- yeah, this is really interesting in that the, the ship is somehow attacked in space. They never explain that in the comic. After the attack, they realize that all of the filaments, and that's what they call it, that are needed to run the engine have been destroyed, even the ones that are in storage. Mm-hmm. And luckily there's a nearby planet, and so Kirk sends down a, a couple of engineers to look for the zoototanium that will make the filaments. Uh, and Which they is get... really
0: rare, but luckily... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but luckily it just happens to be it, it we think it's on this planet Uh, well as those engineers are wandering around they're attacked by aliens who apparently have created the Benjamin Button gun <laughs> um, and it causes these characters to de-age to you know the age of probably like seven or eight mm-hmm.
0: so watch out <laughs> Benjamin Button gun don't mess with it <laughs> but like not even physically are they kids but you know uh, Kirk and Spock beam down to find out what happened and these two engineers are sitting around playing with rocks and call them daddy Kirk and Uncle Spock like this is just wow um daddy yeah. Kirk daddy Kirk <laughs> <laughs> and and you know the sad part about this is I I could kind of imagine them maybe doing this episode or an idea like this on Star Trek. Uh, I mean, we got, you know, rascals in The Next Generation. Uh, But yeah, not quite to this level of silliness where, you know, they have all their memories, but because they've been de-aged, they act like children, which was, seemed odd to me, but okay, I'll go with it. No, it and it's it is
1: kind of weird. It it they try to have their cake and eat it too. That like it who they were isn't really gone. They just can't quite access it because their minds aren't mature enough to be able to access it. So yeah, it is kind of strange. And mm-hmm. Kirk and Spock, they they decide that they're going to search for the aliens, and they they come across um these two aliens having apparently a king of the mountain fight. <laughs> uh, and one of them gets thrown off this cliff, but he's okay. Uh, and Kirk and Spock ask him basically what's going on. And, and he kind of tells them when well, we got lost here and our ship, and we created this, I, I created this gun, uh, thing to, to, you know, re-energize our engines, but it, so we needed somewhere to test it, he says. And apparently their Enterprise crew members just beamed down right in time for them to test it as they test it on them and realize, oh, well, so this does DH people, that's great. Well, we can just keep using this on our people and we'll wait till we're rescued. And so, but apparently his friend, Koba, Uh, Well, his plan is to use the age ray to rule his own planet.
0: (laughs) So, yeah. So why is it in all of these stories we get, you know, some megalomaniacal person who dreams of being a dictator? Like, this just seems to be a, a common thing that happens all over the universe. Somebody wants to all of a sudden turn everything around and become a dictator. Like, is this... Is this a common thing that like groups of people that you hang around with, just one person always randomly decides to, you know, take over a world?
1: (laughs) No, I I think you're right, Dan. It's interesting because everyone you run into, at least one of them is going to be a megalomaniac. (laughs) <laughs> who whose only goal is to rule a planet or the galaxy or you know it just depends on how bad the megalomania is um mm-hmm. you know some people just want to like rule a city other people want to rule a planet other people the galaxy you know it it's just you never know um but you're always going to run into one in the gold key comics so that's great <laughs> well coba has uh Kirk, he, he is actually able to capture Kirk. And because of that, Spock is forced to help him. And uh, he tries to take over the Enterprise. And a lot of things ensue. They're able to get him back off. And Kirk and him end up in another fight where he's able to reflect the beam back at Koba so that the beam of the Age Ray Benjamin Button Gun goes back on him. And Kirk is able to make sure that we don't end up with Star Trek
0: babies. (laughs) I love that he gets so many opportunities to do this too. Like, it's clear that he's trying to get it to bounce back at him. And, you know, the guy just keeps shooting at him until he's able to succeed here. But yeah, like... (laughs) What did he think was going to happen? But yeah, no, luckily, this dictator gets taken out by his own weapon, of course. And uh, yeah, we don't get an entire de-aged crew of the Enterprise.
1: Well, and I'm kind of glad that that's the case. Um, Although, I do have to say, you know, Muppet Babies was so much fun, so maybe Star <laughs> Trek Babies would be fantastic as well.
0: <laughs> could oh, be. Gosh. It
1: could be something worth watching. The next issue is the one that is is so interesting because the legacy of Lazarus does start to feel quite a bit more like something that you would see in Star Trek. And what's so cool about it is how it weaves in a lot of things we do see. Uh, the idea of androids, giving androids somebody else's brainwave patterns to create basically a person. Um, the The whole idea of... Uh, Living forever through that, as well as really famous people somehow showing up in Star Trek from George Washington to Hitler uh, show up in in this comic. So it is this was the one that, uh, like we were talking about, all of a sudden it just kind of turned and and it felt more like an actual almost episode of Mm -hmm. the original series in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. And what's really interesting is, you know, the first two stories in this uh, collection were written by a different author or a different writer than we get for this third one. And I feel like it really shows. I mean, it's still got a bit of that gold key ridiculousness. It's still a little bit over the top, but it feels much more toned down than the previous two. And, you know, I'm just going to come right out and say it. The writing is much better in this story than in the first two you know i'm really getting into this story i'm wondering what the mystery is um you know and i think the reveal of you know where all these famous people come from and why they're there actually kind of makes sense like you know it's still kind of ridiculous but within the gold key quote unquote universe it makes a lot more sense than most other things do so You know, I I actually really kind of got into this story, which, um, you know, by the time I was done, it really surprised me. I was really surprised that I got so engrossed in this tale of, uh, you know, kind of not quite a megalomaniacal dictator, but definitely a scientist gone mad.
1: (laughs) Well, and it is interesting because he is been able to record the brainwaves of every famous person on Earth, which this is where it does fall apart. Mm -hmm. how did he get people from the past? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But let that go. And he's taken all these brainwaves and found a way to incorporate them because of an accident with these androids that he had to pass these brainwaves on to the androids and therefore create an entire race of basically people that are these characters, but they're in an android body And the reason that he decides that he wants to capture Spock, though, is because he's bored. (laughs) He's just bored. I mean, he's like, how many times can I tell Napoleon that he won here and he lost here? I mean, he's just bored. So he decides, you know, I need a template for this computer so that it could give me Vulcan people now, too.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's definitely where the story goes a little bit off the rails, and we have to have kind of the typical comic, you know, mad scientist gone crazy trying to, you know, brutally murder Spock so that he can get access to his brainwaves. Um, because he's bored. Yeah, because he's bored. <laughs> it's like, I'm, you know, I have access to all of the famous people from Earth's history. But, you know, gosh, I, I, I'm i just so bored. I, I can't bear to talk with these people. Like, <laughs> it's just... What is ra- incredible about
1: it is that, too, I mean, I'm thinking you you have all these famous people here, but, you know, as Kirk points out in the story, well, I mean, apparently this isn't like a heaven or something because they see Hitler. So I liked that. <laughs> that was and a like, really no, this moment.
0: This can't be heaven. Um <laughs> Yeah, like but they, if, they don't even say it. They just kind of say like, well, look who's over there. Yeah. You see Hitler and it's like, oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I mean, you know, they got Nero there too. And, uh, yeah. you know, he's not real copacetic with God either uh, with all those Christians he killed. I wouldn't uh, imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, just not really on the, he's, he's pretty much on the naughtiest of naughty lists. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but that was what I was thinking to myself is all these people would be murdering each other Because you have megalomaniacal maniacs like Hitler and (laughs) Nero with all of these other people like, you know, uh, George Washington and Socrates and whatnot, and so... There'd be all at war on this planet if they really did have the brainwaves of all of these famous
0: people. (laughs) Yeah, but they they all seem to be living fairly peacefully together in this city. Uh, (laughs) Apparently,
1: they must live under Landru or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Also, I want to ask, uh, there's this kind of ginger character we see, and they keep referring to him as Scotty. I don't know who this guy is but uh, it sure doesn't look like Scotty to me.
1: (laughs) Well that was the original actor who was going to play Scotty and no, I don't know. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) they do. They, well, what I do like is that they get Scotty right in the sense that he has the Scottish accent, Mm -hmm. which comes through in the writing that they use um, for the, for the dialect for Scotty there. And and it's fun, but yes, the character doesn't look anything like him and, and they are still very far away from really having good character likenesses for sure. Mm -hmm. It was nice to have Scotty in the, issue but yeah it doesn't really seem like the Scotty we know Uh, Mm -hmm. apparently he is the most quintessential Scotsman you can think of with the red hair and the very thick brogue accent so
0: yeah that aside I actually do really like the artwork in this issue as well like bringing these famous people to life they really do look like the 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 people from history that we know And also I have to say Uhura is featured in this one in a big way and uh, they really get her look right in a lot of these um, panels here. I think she looks great. So kind of a, it seems a little bit of a step up in the artwork for that, that Mm -hmm. issue as well.
1: Yeah, it does feel like once they hit this issue, things are starting to grow. So I'm really interested to finish the rest of this volume as well as jump into the next volumes to see how the the Gold Key comics continue to move forward and you know slowly inch closer and closer to the actual series Mm -hmm. in the way that they work um I this is an interesting issue because it ends with uh, Spock escapes uh, Lazarus because uh, he's actually able to fight his way out of his chains and get away from him um Lazarus runs into and or i guess trips into the giant brain sucker uh and dies and spock is trying to save all of these records but he can't and they escape as the planet blows up
0: the end like it's a very strange ending yeah i actually i had to reread the part where he got trapped in the machine because i somehow was like wait how did that happen what he oh okay he forgot the machine was there i guess tripped and fell into it it's terrible i hate it when that happens (laughs) oh exactly you know and then yeah the planet blows up (laughs) you know boy talk about wrapping up plot threads here uh what happens next well the planet blows up all right yeah (laughs) yeah
1: pretty much the planet blows up and uh it's it's pretty hysterical so uh, you, all in all, I have to say uh, what makes this so much fun is the way in which the characters are portrayed in a completely goofball light. And again, I, I think back to how things came off in Far Beyond the Stars and the look of the, the drawings You know, they had for everything that's what this feels like you know Mm -hmm. it feels like star trek done by the writers from far beyond the stars in the episode and this is what they kind of would have figured they would have turned out and i love it i really do i i I just i love the laughter and the fun of it and the Mm -hmm. goofballness of it i mean again where else could we've gotten voodoo planet and geez all i know dan is that i'm gonna have a really hard time coming up with whatever goofy thing we've said for the title of this episode because (laughs) we've got like 30 of them
0: oh man yeah absolutely uh i just i can't get over the voodoo planet issue
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it's it's fantastic and so i i highly encourage you you know go out, enjoy these comics. You know, don't go in expecting Star Trek. Just go in expecting a lot of fun and a Mm -hmm. lot of laughter. I mean, I I really do think that you are going to laugh out loud as you're reading through this, you know, uh, in your lap with your iPad or, you know, uh, with the the physical copy as well. These are just so much fun.
0: Well, Matthew, I mean, we always have a lot of fun uh, when we talk about these gold key issues. And I think today was definitely... Uh, definitely not an exception to that because man, what, what a great discussion about the gold key comics of Star Trek here.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm still like chuckling to myself of all the things that we got to talk about. And it is fantastic. Um, and, and it's one of the things that I love about doing these episodes for people because, I kind of enjoy going back and editing them because I end up laughing so much remembering what we were talking about. And and I hope that as you listen, you enjoy as well um, because you've read the comics or you're inspired to go read these comics. And it's a it's a great way to show us where Star Trek came from, the roots it came from, you know, this this kind of pulp serial television. But at the same time how special Star Trek was as well, you know, and the, mm-hmm. the message that it had and, and, and the difference it created. And I think um, that's really cool. And we get to see that clearly when you read these goal comics. So I really appreciate the Patreon associate producers who make sure that this show comes to you each week. It's Will Win, Ken Tripp, Brandon Shamatola and Bruce Gibson. These guys have gone to Patreon. They've made sure that we can keep all of this content through the network coming to you each and every week. You see, Trek FM is a listener-supported network, and especially with a year as big as this, being the 50th anniversary, we have so much stuff coming out for you. We want to make sure that that keeps happening as ad-free as possible. And for that to happen, we do need your help. So go to patreon.com slash Trek.fm. We've got plenty of amazing things for you for giving to us. One is the content, but of course we've got some great perks, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on the content development team, Patreon roundtable, and so much more. We really do appreciate your support so much because it means that we can keep Trek FM coming to you and keep doing what we love. Patreon.com slash TrekFM. Now, Dan, uh, one thing I wanted to mention, I wanted to ask everybody to, uh, as we look through the new year for Literary Treks, please hit up iTunes. iTunes.com slash TrekFM. Find Literary Treks. Hit us up with a review and a star rating. (laughs) That really does help our show grow. And it it makes us more visible as people search for shows in iTunes, which we know people are going to be doing this year with Star Trek. And the fiftieth anniversary. So make sure you help out literary treks. And you know what? I'm gonna be kind. Just throw it out there for all of our shows, you know, that you listen to. Go give those a star rating and review because it makes our network even more visible. And we really appreciate you guys. So now Dan, wow, uh, when you're not looking through your Vulcan Occult library trying to figure out just how
0: to get away from this voodoo planet, where can we find you? <laughs> well, wow. you know, that is a uh... That's a tall order, and there's a lot of Vulcan occult to go through here. Uh, You know, I've got 40 books on it, just on my shelf here, so. Uh, But yeah, when I'm not doing that, you can find me online. My website where I review Star Trek novels, both old and new, is www.treklit.com. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash treklitreviews, and on Twitter at kertrats, that's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, And I'm also on Instagram. My username there is kertrats47. And of course, you can also find me kicking around the Babel Conference talking about all things Star Trek. And Matthew, when you're not ducking dangerous dictators firing their Benjamin Button guns at you, uh, where can we find you? (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh, guy almost got me just the other day. Uh I, I tweeted about it on Twitter at Matt Rushing02. I took a picture of it on Instagram, so check that out at M Rushing. Trek of M is on Instagram as well, so check that out. I do the orb with Christopher Jones, where he talk exclusively about Deep Space Nine here on the network. Uh so check that out. It's such a, a good time doing that show. I do the 602 Club, which is our geeky show it's just devoted to everything geek that's not star trek we've got star wars we've got comics we've got tv we've got some books we've even done we i mean it's just so much stuff so check that out i love doing that show and i hope you'll join us there and then i do have my own blog at 42 lifeinbetween.wordpress.com well thank you so much for joining us and until next time live long And read on. You call that light reading to each his own, number one.